Welcome to the TV Line Podcast. I'm Editor-in-Chief Michael Osiello. My guest today is best known for her Emmy-nominated work as the ill-fated Rachel Posner. Posner? Unclear. I believe it's Posner. <laughs> okay. On House of Cards, but her lengthy list of TV credits also includes guest stints on The Blacklist, Grey's Anatomy, and Orange is the New Black, as well as a two-season run on WGN America's Underrated Manhattan. She's currently earning rave reviews for her turn as a 50s housewife who discovers she has a gift for stand-up comedy in Amy Sherman Palladino's new Amazon dramedy, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Rachel Brosnahan, welcome. Thank you. Um, I was a fan of your work on House of Cards and Manhattan, but watching you in the pilot of this show, I have to say I had a little bit of like, holy shit, I didn't know she had this in her um, from seeing those two performances. And my question for you is, did you know you had it in you when you read this script? No. <laughs> no. Uh, but I wanted to. And and I I mean, I read this script. I fell in love with this character. And I knew I had to have it. But I really didn't know what my shots were. And I'm still eternally grateful to Amy and Dan and all the other people behind the scenes that I still don't know about who took this enormous leap with me. So what was... You- your, what drew you to this character and what made you think that you could play her? Well, the the pilot is one of the best scripts I've ever read. It's so tight, it's sharp, it's funny, it's smart. Um, and this character, it took me a minute to realize that this is what it was, but she's one of the most, if not the most unapologetically confident woman I've ever read and certainly that I've ever played and that was exciting to me I like to do things I've never done before and it felt important to me I know so many extraordinary women who look a lot more like Midge than the women that I usually read in scripts and many of whom are out there on film and tv uh and so that was what drew me to her what made me feel like I could play her I felt like I had a way in you know like I coming from drama I I approached this kind of as a drama. This is a woman whose whose perfect world crumbles and whose life falls apart, and and that's something I can do. Uh, <laughs> and so I I felt like there was a lot of learning I would have to do, but that I felt like I had a way in. Mm-hmm. And tell me about the audition process. So I spoke to Amy and Dan. They were here yesterday, and they said that you came into that audition process with so much confidence. And they were like, she may disagree when you talk to her. Um, do you disagree? Well, then I am a very good actor. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew I had to convince them of that. Yes. You know what I mean? No, I was horrified. I was absolutely petrified. Uh, both times that I auditioned, but more so in front of Amy and Dan. So I had my initial audition for just casting in New York. And then I read for Amy and Dan out in LA. Um, But I was also, which they they don't seem to remember this as clearly as I do, but I was deadly ill. I mean, I I was so sick. I could, I felt like I could hardly stand. I felt like I was underwater. Do you know what I mean? Do you know that feeling when you like take cold medicine and you're like, um, that's how I felt. And, and, but you did it anyway. You couldn't say like rain check. I did rain check. I was so sick that I couldn't get on. And then I got so scared that they were just going to give it to somebody else because I'm not the, let's be real. Like I, I wasn't the obvious choice for this. And so I felt like, I, I needed to get my ass to LA and, and, and try to claim what was mine. You know? <laughs> um, but I, 
I was really scared that if I didn't get out there, that, that I was going to miss, miss the opportunity. And so I, I rallied. And I could, I was doing the awful thing where I was like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't shake your hand. Oh, yeah. That really awkward exchange, like, don't touch me. I don't yes. want to give you this plague. Um, yeah, I think I blacked out for the whole thing, honestly. But <laughs> so how much of the actual audition do you remember just going in there and reading in, in front of them? Is it like something where sort of the adrenaline kicks in and the fears yeah. go away a little bit? Maybe not go away, but subside. Yes. It was all adrenaline, both because I was so sick and also because I was so terrified. I feel like that's all that exists in my memory of it. And the fact that I had to take off my shoes at some point because I was so sweaty that I had to remove my shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, we we read... So it was three scenes. It was the um, wedding monologue that, that opens the show the big breakup scene with Joel and the final uh, sort of set mm-hmm. that, that happens at the end. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot. Wow. A lot of material. Like three huge <laughs> scenes. <laughs> but the right scenes. Right, you know? absolutely. Uh, yeah, three three huge, huge ones. And we did them a few times and, and they gave me notes and we, we played. It was, a, it was a really warm room, which I'm so grateful for. It was very obvious that they love actors and mm-hmm. that they love the process um and that was important to me and was was encouraging so you walk out of this audition how badly did you want it now at this point how invested were you in getting this so invested i mean it it's it's the role of a lifetime on its own but it was a i think i realize it more now than i did then but honestly it's it's a dream i didn't know i had Mm-hmm. Um, I have been saying, as you hear actors say all the time, that I wanted to do things that scared me. Um, and this was terrifying. And so it was exactly what I wanted. Uh, yeah, I was, I was very, very invested, but wouldn't have been shocked if it hadn't have gone my way. And when and how did you find out it did go your way? I... Was it like a moment, a phone call? or It was, was a it- phone call. Um, yeah, it was a phone call. I, I got this call uh, saying that I had gotten it, and I think I stopped breathing for a few <laughs> minutes. <laughs> um, and just, I, I was in an Airbnb that I was renting while I was there. I feel like I just sat down on the bed in this very strange Airbnb with like a in LA or something in yeah, LA in LA. Okay, uh, and tried to process. I yeah, I don't. I really don't remember it very well. I think I was just so overwhelmed. <laughs> And how familiar were you with Amy and Dan's work prior to this? I was a big Gilmore Girls fan you growing are. up. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, although I wasn't familiar with their other work, I had watched and rewatched Gilmore Girls many times over at various points of my life. Uh, yeah. Was there any concern about the volume of dialogue that there would be in a project like this? Maybe this says something about me, but... Whenever people talk about Amy and Dan's work, they talk about how quickly people talk and how much they mm-hmm. talk. But that's not something actually that I had ever really clocked watching Gilmore Girls. And so <laughs> I don't know what that says about me up to audience interpretation. But uh, so not initially, not not until we started shooting. We, we were fortunate enough to have quite a bit of rehearsal time before we started shooting the pilot. Mm-hmm. We, we had at least a couple weeks where we could where I could call them and ask them 12,000 questions. And, mm. and we sat and rehearsed quite a few of the pivotal scenes, almost all of the pivotal scenes I think we rehearsed. Um, so I wasn't 
really that scared about the volume until we started shooting this show. And then it was coming hard and fast. And what, did you have a moment of, what did I get myself into? Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> I think you always have that moment. As an actor, I think I've had that moment in every job I've ever had, where I'm like, this is it. They know I'm a fraud. This is the last job I'll ever have. My life is terrible. I want to go to sleep and, and hide under the covers forever. But that was also met with some of the highest high points that I've ever had working on a job. This mm. was such a generous set. Everyone was so kind and supportive. And it's a set filled with experienced experienced everything, experienced writers and directors and actors and creators and producers and crew. And uh, I, I had a blast on this show, despite those moments of feeling like my whole life was over. Was the, is there a learning curve in learning the rhythms, the Palladino rhythms? Did it get easier as the deeper you got into the first season? Yes, definitely. I think in the, in the pilot, because also they have their own rhythm, but each show has a slight variation Mm -hmm. on that rhythm. And so that was something we were trying to find together during the pilot. Um, And it does get easier. Although even still today, Alex Borstein and I laugh about it all the time, but you know, we'll pat ourselves on the back because we spoke faster than the speed of light and Amy will run in and go, do it faster, make it faster, quicker, quicker. I'm dying over here. You know, I have no time left on earth. Uh, You do a great Amy Sherman Palladino impression, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I've had a lot of time. (laughs) I'm sure. Um, Do you have a new appreciation for someone like Lauren Graham, who had to do 22 episodes of Gilmore Girls for seven years? Yes. I I mean, you had to do eight episodes, Rachel, which is a lot. How she did this. (laughs) They did an hour in even less time than we had. We had 10 days to shoot an episode. I'm surprised she's still with us. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) Have you ever met Lauren? Mm Mm-mm. But I did reach out to her, actually, before we started shooting the pilot or the show. I can't remember. Just reached out and kind of said, hey, do you have any advice? Uh, and I think she wrote back to me saying, let's get together. You know, and we just, our schedules, she's on the yeah. opposite coast. And, and, and we were shooting for five months. And so hopefully we can still get that together at some point. I'd yeah. love to pick her brain. Um, Bow down and kiss her face. <laughs> uh, did you watch the revival, by the way, the Gilmore Girls revival? You didn't. Okay, you got to watch that, and then we'll discuss it. I'm very curious to see what you think. Um, research. How much research did you do? I know we were talking earlier just about you were, on eBay. You were getting old magazines yeah. of uh, uh, vintage looks and stuff. Yeah, um, I'm kind of a research nerd. I, I love to research. It's one of the things I love the most about period pieces, and mm-hmm. why I think I keep doing them. Um, I also knew and still know very little about the world of comedy as a whole, particularly at this time. So I tried to immerse myself into the comedy scene in the the 1950s. Did a lot of research on women like uh, Jean Carroll, Joan Rivers, Phyllis Diller, Moms Mabley, and then other characters like Lenny Bruce and Forgive me. Uh, Lenny Bruce and Jack Parr, Bob Newhart, Don Rickles. Um, I also, yes, did a lot of eBaying, uh, which has been one of my, which is one of my new favorite pastimes. I love eBay. Hmm. Um, and I bought some vintage Good Housekeeping magazines, some Vogues. Uh, I was just, I just wanted to absorb, mm-hmm. absorb the whole 
period and motherhood and womanhood from that time and see the way that we talked about what it meant to be a good housekeeping mother and housewife. Um, it was very interesting. Did you do any go on any open mic nights and like try out your own personal comedy chops? No. <laughs> No, absolutely not. I, I've been saying, and I, I stand by this, that if you play a doctor on TV, you should absolutely not try to perform surgery. That, that would be bad for everyone involved. And I feel the same way about playing a stand-up and doing stand-up comedy. No, a resounding and forever no. Uh, but I did go to a lot of amateur mm-hmm. nights to watch new comics perform and try out material and also some more established comics who were trying out new material at these uh, smaller clubs. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Which was, which was exciting just, just to see how different people approach the whole beast. I was on the set one night you were shooting in front of the comedy club on the East side um, and it was the finale, I believe, because oh. snow machines were brought in. And, yes. and I was just marveling, marveling at the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That was unintentional. I'm so good. That's for um, us. I, uh, at the scope of the show and the, the attention to detail, I mean, I, I know Amy and Dan always had that but now it feels like they have the money to go with their yes. sort of perfectionist and unique uh lofty ambition yes um and what is it like to be surrounded by to be immersed in a world that really looks and feels like the world and not like a cheap imitation it's it's priceless it's incredible it uh it means that all that's asked of us as actors is to show up and do our jobs. We are transported. There's very little pretending. And and that's particularly extraordinary when we're shooting outside in New York. Mm. The air is different than when you're shooting on a stage. It, it really, it adds a whole other layer of authenticity to the show. It really brings it to life. And we feel that. And I think that's reflected when you when you watch the show. I heard that they shut down Herald Square at one point because for Christmas scenes that you did outside of Macy's or, or somewhere in that area in Midtown. Yes, we shot the exterior of B. Altman at oh, right. time. Yes. That's right. I forgot about that. It was very late at night. Uh, and they... they had the streets lined with Christmas trees, built B. Altman Christmas windows. Wow. We had probably a hundred background and gorgeous Christmas costumes. It, it was extraordinary. But, th- but that's the, the reason I can't even remember that is because we've had so many moments like that on this show. Mm-hmm. It just gets bigger and more beautiful with each episode. And that's, and that's really thanks to them having this the, the freedom that money buys mm-hmm. to to imagine something and bring it to life so completely. What's your take on Midge and Joel? Do you think they still have a shot at salvaging their relationship? I don't know. I I don't think I don't want, I'm careful not to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen through episode 4. Okay. So, yeah. For me, I think that they were a great couple when they were on the same page. There's a lot of love there and a lot of mutual respect that in some ways feels modern or felt modern to me. I think they have 
fallen off of the same page and I'm not sure that they'll ever be able to get back on it. But Amy said something to me when we were prepping for the pilot, I think that has stuck with me, which is that, you know, Midge will go on to be wildly successful and she'll have her Park Avenue apartment on the penthouse with 12 poodles, but she will always look back on the day before Joel left her as the best day of her life. Mm. And that's intensely sad. Mm. And also kind of beautiful. It's it's romantic and it feels true. Mm. Um, so I don't know. But I, but I do think that Joel will always be a part of her life, not just because they have children together. But there's a deep kind of love there that never fully disappears and is something that we'll surely explore throughout this season and also throughout the series. Uh, I think my favorite relationship on the show is uh, Mage and Susie, you and Alex Borstein. (laughs) Um, Did you guys click instantly or had you met her prior to this? I had not, but we had a chemistry read when they were uh, reading Alex, although I'm not sure why they ever read Alex and neither is she. Oh, the lights. Did did I not tell you this was going to (laughs) happen? We're in the dark. Um, uh, yeah, so you did, you did warn me. I didn't listen. I was still surprised. But yes, I met Alex while we were doing chemistry reads, although the role was written for Alex. Right. Maybe she didn't know as much as I knew that it was hers. Um, but yeah, I think we got along and understood each other in a strange way right away. I have loved working with Alex. She, she's, she's. She's the real deal. She's hilarious. She's smart. And she's a really, really good actor. Mm. And and a much more squishy person on the inside than mm. she might want you to know on the outside. But I, I've loved working with her. And their relationship is so beautiful. This kind of female friendship that is unexpected is something that I've not really seen before in this way on screen. And Alex has been saying, and I love this word, but that, you know, you get, you get two dudes who become friends forever in something. It's a bromance. Well, this is a womance between oh. these two women. Nice. I like that. Me too. Um, do you read reviews? I try not to. I think early on, I read them more than I do now. I've seen a couple that my mother, you know, sends the screenshots of, but I I don't like to because it's done. There's nothing you can do to change it. And particularly with theater and television, it's ongoing. You're still doing it. So no matter what anybody says, good or bad, Mm. you don't want that lodged in your brain. as but they're so good. The reviews are good. so good. That's nice to know. See, that's all I need to know. <laughs> See, I would think that an actor, because God, it's so hard to be an actor from from what I can tell and the rejection and just all of this to like, when you get that role, like yeah. this is that role for you, you get it and then you nail it and it's like so praised and people are gushing over it. I, I have to imagine that it would be hard not to want to, and I get it's a slippery slope because if you believe the good stuff, That's you have to the believe thing. the bad. But well, I would because it cancels each other out, right? But you just, I just don't. There's a lot of like buzzwords and catchphrases that get associated mostly with the ca- less less with me and more with the character, and I don't want that to influence the way mm. that I'm thinking about her as I'm continuing to develop her. Do you know what I mean? And I feel the yeah. same way about theater. Reviews come out on opening night, and you've still got months to go, and it's 
it's still finding its life and breath even after those things get said about it. Right. But it's nice to know that people like it, but that's something people tell you in person. So I'm, I'm always very wary of, you know, even my yeah. mother sends me things and I'm like, oh, I can't worry. <laughs> and I have to imagine too, there might be a, a piece of it. Like you, like you said, it's not over yet. Like I don't want, I could still fuck it up. Totally. Like, yes, this review is out now, but I could go off a cliff. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, and and different seasons of various shows have done that. You have ups and downs and, and yeah, I, you just, you can't, but I, but I do think it cancels itself out. Mm Mm-hmm. There's people saying you're the best thing since sliced bread and people saying that you're the worst thing that's ever existed next to Donald Trump, you know, and, and it all, it all becomes noise. Um, I feel like Rachel Posner was the heart of House of Cards. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when she died, the show never fully recovered from her loss because she represented something on that show. And it was really devastating for me when they killed her off. And when it was Doug who did it, it was just, it was so dark. It was so, what kind of reaction do you get from fans about that character? Um, How do you, and also how do you feel about that? The end, the ending? Um, Most people say that, which is lovely. It's not something that from the inside I could really see. I couldn't, I wasn't really sure what she represented on the show. Um, I also haven't watched my own work in years up until this current show. And so I haven't seen any of my episodes. Oh, really? Um, But uh, uh, yeah, it's it's lovely to hear that 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 character meant something to people and provided a light in a show that is so dark. She meant an enormous amount to me. Um, honestly, I was amazed that I lasted that long. I was pretty sure I was a goner in the first season, so I was thrilled to have been kept around and kept alive. Mm. You don't watch your performances, but you do. You, you made a, you changed your mind about Mrs. Maisel. Well, I know you were at the premiere. I was. I was literally sitting behind you at the premiere. I, I thought that was you. I, I was sitting I was behind you, and I was like, again, "This is a little out, weird," because here she is, and I'm watching her watch herself. <laughs> I can Cringing. only imagine. But you, you were very still. But I can only imagine how nerve wracking that must be. Yeah. Well, so I'd already I've seen the right. Um The reason, well, first of all, I got tricked into watching the pilot. I kind of got ambushed by Michael Zegan and Amy and our producer, Dana and Dan, when they were editing. They were kind of like, we want to show you a few things. And then we were sitting down and watching the pilot. And I was like, you know, Uh, but I went back and forth on it with this show and ultimately felt like very early on my first couple of jobs, kind of up until House of Cards, actually, I watched things because I wanted to learn from it. I had no idea whether what I thought I was doing or thinking or feeling was translating, was coming through. And I felt like it was important to learn from my work and see how things were edited and just get a better sense of how films were made. Um, and then I stopped because I felt like it just became torture at a certain point and that it was important that I develop a sense of confidence in my own ability. I was really, really struggling with that around the time of House of Cards in Manhattan and and not watching it made me feel like I could look at the whole thing more objectively and hold on to how how I felt about it. Uh, I, I'm not really I'm still not entirely sure, but it felt better not to watch it. Mm-hmm. And with this I 
feel like I'm going back to school a little bit. I've never done comedy, and uh, and I think I have a lot to learn from watching other people do it, from watching myself take a stab at it. But man, it's it's been <clears throat> absolute torture. I may not watch past this season, but I've seen this one. There's a scene in episode two, um, where you are at an aerobics class. Yes. How long did that take to shoot? Too long. Uh, well, we had... God, so I was watching that scene thinking, oh my God, I bet she's regretting taking this job. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, well, I had a corset on underneath right. that little... All of it. Tiny little shorts and that sweater. Well, first of all, lengthwise, did that take a half a day, a full day? I believe it took a little bit more than half a day, and then we called the day. We didn't have anything to do after that. It was one of the only partial days we shot on that show. So it's all you did on that day yes, was that. Was exercise. And I have to imagine that there was rehearsal period before that because there's choreography. Yes, we had one day of rehearsal over the weekend prior to that scene with uh, a choreographer and all of the the other actors in that scene are dancers. So they were all very good at the choreography and it took me a minute to get a handle on. But yeah, it, it was rough. It was. We worked out so hard. It was the most physical activity I had done in months. <laughs> Can I say that it was visually so stunning? So cool, it was right? so so beautiful and artful. It was worth your blood, sweat, and tears. Really worth it. It's one of my favorite scenes on the series. It's so it's brilliant. So bananas. It's so bananas. But it's just there's so much going on yeah. in it. But I was watching that, thinking the the amount of work and the the coverage and the angles, and I can only imagine how many times you had to repeat the same stuff. Very many. I had a serious, my, my like ass and my abs hurt for like a week after that. Wow. <laughs> uh, but it was fun. It was really fun. How often do you get to do scenes like that? And it was the perfect way on our show for Midge to tell the first person that her whole life has fallen apart. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly, are you able to enjoy this moment in your career having this role? You know, after the premiere, there were... Uh, uh, at the after party, I was talking to a bunch of actors who weren't in it, and they were talking about how jealous they were that they that they weren't, and that how desperately they would love to be in a project like this. Cool. Um, and are you able to enjoy and and really fully appreciate where this experience? Yes, a hundred percent. This is an experience that I never thought I would have. So I had zero expectations going in, and I'm so proud and grateful to be a part of a project like this that is written and created and produced and directed by an extraordinary woman and an extraordinary man who loves extraordinary women Mm. playing this extraordinary woman who I want to see more of on TV. It's a cool thing. I feel like I would be a fan of this show. That that's the coolest thing to be a part of. So yes, um, it's a little bit overwhelming. It's it's crazy in ways that I wasn't prepared for. But it's uh, in what ways? Like, well, it's, it's it's overwhelming. There we're talking so much about it. I've never yeah. talked this much about a show, but it's something. It's a show that I love talking about, mm. and with these people that I love working with so much. Um, and the response has been overwhelming, and and. In a, in a really positive way. It's very cool. I'm, I'm so in the middle of it right now. Mm. Talk to me in a year and ask me that again. Right. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm enormously grateful and uh, living, living in this delightful little bubble right now. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me.